So I'm incredibly excited to have you here with us today for this special series of the Startup Santa Show. We're focusing on 2020 hindsight, specifically on the individuals that have had an impact in our life and our businesses and how that has really sculpted our futures and our current efforts and our past efforts, as well as where we look to the future and what we want to see going on. So I'm excited to introduce Joe Hodgins. He is the Chief Disruptive Officer, uh, and then I'll tell about what he's currently working on in his business, what that business is, as well as a little bit about himself before we dive into a few questions. So Joe, take it away. Sure, sure enough. Hey, it, well, first of all, thank you, Robert, for having me. This is pretty exciting. I, I, I love doing a deep dive and a look back, especially, you know, after a year like 2019. It's, uh, it, it, it's always helpful to kind of look at that and decide where you want to go in 2020. And, and it's funny that this was such a perfect opportunity for you to call me. I've been procrastinating on all my 2020 goals. And uh, this is sort of a little kick in the pants to remind me that hey, it, it's time to get on it. <laughs> so, but uh, um, but no. I, so, uh, just from a little historical perspective, I, I'm uh, Joe Hodges. I'm I'm the chief disruption officer of a healthcare company called Care Valet, and Care Valet is a consumer health platform, and we've created what we call a guided consumer healthcare experience. Um, we realized that you know uh, that healthcare. Uh, insurance companies and uh, health plans don't really give a very consumer focused application or front end experience to the consumers in order to find care, to get care, to have their needs managed when they arise. Um, we, when we were analyzing the uh, healthcare applications that were out there, they were really designed to manage customer, uh, um, you know, customer service experiences and to resolve those challenges that the health plans have. But when we sat down and we looked at what we call system one thinking, and I'm a big fan of uh, Kahneman, who you know is system one and system two thinking, and and we're in our tiny brain when we're having a healthcare experience. You know, we we want to resolve it. We want to figure out how, how do we get to the hospital? How do we you know solve this? I've been diagnosed with cancer. How, what do I do? Who do I call? And we realized that we really needed to give an experience to a consumer that helped them find a solution within one or two button pushes. And that's what we did when we created Care Valet. And, um, and we just had, uh, we, we started a few years ago, but we just had a relaunch of our application in November. And uh, so that, that's kind of what has occupied my uh, 2019, other than just finishing my doctorate, which I graduated from USF with a doctorate in business administration in December. So that was massively exciting. So 2019 was a huge, huge year. It's really exciting. I, I know I've been watching you on the social media and everything that you're doing there has just been really insightful and inspiring. Uh, congratulations again on that PhD. It's, uh, it's not a little feat by any means uh, and it's incredibly impressive. I want to talk a little bit about what got you there. What and who were the motivators to drive that incredible year last year? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was amazing from um, from that from the uh, doctorate experience, and, and I want to clarify because it's really it's it's an important distinction. Um, in business administration, they provide you can get a PhD or you can get a doctorate, 
and um, I've got a doctorate. And the distinction between that is that our goal is to be a scholarly practitioner. And the hope is really to not just go into research and education and all that, but to take the business application and go out and share it with the business community, share theories that are out there in business, share research that's out there in business that really helps current businesses grow um, and utilize these, these experiences in order to not make some mistakes that have been, that commonly occur and to use some practices that really help escalate and, uh, you know, and really uh, amplify their business into the next level. Um, what got me there was, uh, it goes back a little further than just this last year, but um, when I was in high school, I had a 1.42 grade point average uh-huh. and uh, it was pretty sad. And, and I got kicked out of high school twice and um, for more reasons than just bad grades. But, um, but I just had a, a difficult time learning and it, it didn't seem to be a priority from the traditional experience. So I found education in a lot of other places and eventually going back to the college experience. But my, my mother also called me stupid back at that time and, and, uh, and I, it always resonated with me to prove her wrong. And so um, as an adult, I went back and decided to, an, an older adult, over 50, I go back and get my uh, uh, doctorate. So that was what happened on the education side. On, on the business side, um, it, it was pretty neat. I, a few years back, I sold a healthcare company that I had to a private equity firm. And um, I had built a business over 15 years. And we did things like nurse case management, disease management. We did claims processing primarily in the self-funded industry. And we grew an amazing business. Um, I'm proud to say that I started that company with $3,500 in my pocket. I never had to borrow a dime. I did not owe any money at all. And um, when I went to sell it, it was pretty cool. I had, uh, I had 63 employees when I sold. After the merger, we had 125 in there um, when I departed. And uh, it, was, it was pretty neat to see the business expand on that level. Um, but, you know, a- after I got the business up to that point and then I sold it, I had some time on my hands and, um, and also knew that from what I was doing in healthcare in that self-funded space, the consumers were still often overlooked. And there was always questions from the consumers when they would call about, you know, how do I schedule an appointment with my doctor? Which doctor should I get? If I have an emergency, you know, it's hard for me to figure out what to do. And I found a neat study by Deloitte um, that was done in 2016 that was called Consumer Healthcare Priorities. And this is what I wrote my dissertation on was um, consumer healthcare experiences and my application, Care Valet. I studied a rural population in Georgia when we put this into place. But what was neat about that Deloitte study was that they identified four priorities. There were 64 data points that they pointed out and there were four overall themes that came out of that. It's that consumers wanted to do- talk to a doctor at, on their schedule, on their time. They wanted that access 24 seven, 365. They also wanted to know, was this a good doctor? They wanna know quality information. They also wanted to know cost information. Is this a fair price? Is this all, you know, all the things that I need? And the fourth thing was they wanted a digital experience that was easy. And when you dive into this research, you begin to learn that, and what we found in our research for my dissertation was that consumers found healthcare applications specifically really challenging. And, um, and Care Valet came together to really resolve that and to give the consumer access to their health plan in their network 
able to talk to a doctor 24 7 365 able to schedule an appointment online able to see their id card able to see their plan document able to do all of these things literally with one or two button pushes we've made digital experiences so complex sometimes because we think oh we have to solve that solve that solve that and we do but we have to remember there's a consumer on the other side that doesn't know really how to function in this environment. They're really good once they get experience at things, but a first time experience in something, particularly with healthcare can be really challenging, particularly also if they're trying to solve their personal need. And we have to be very sensitive to that. I've heard sometimes people say, oh, well they should know to click on that, or you know, it's obvious they should, and it isn't. And I remind them, I'm like, think of the last time you were injured and you were trying to solve that problem. And I'll give the primary example for me. I was at the gym about a year ago and I was working out and I was doing tricep extensions. All of a sudden a drop of blood came out of my nose and I'm like, oh man, what's going on? And the next thing I know it's a geyser and it's coming out literally in full force. And I ran back to the bathroom because I was embarrassed, number one. And, and then number two, I was like, I've, I've got to get this cleaned up. Well, the next thing I knew, I had a full blood soaked towel. I rinsed my face off and then it got worse and it went all over the bathroom. It looked like a murder scene in there. And so for 30 minutes, my nose was bleeding. I couldn't get it to stop. And my vision started to narrow. I realized I was losing a significant amount of blood. And so uh, I, uh, the, gym, the gym manager finally came in and got me, called 911 and we were waiting on the ambulance and it took over 45 minutes. And so I'm sitting here thinking too, I, I need help. I need help now. The ambulance isn't getting here. And I remember I had built this app for instances just like this and, and I'm in my tiny brain. So I opened it up and the first thing I did was click on the emergency button and I could have called the telemedicine doctor, but I knew I was beyond a telemedicine doctor's help. So I went and found the closest emergency room and then I clicked directions to that and I called a friend and had somebody pick me up and take me because the ambulance was taking so long. And when I did the directions and I didn't even realize this was a value to our application because it had that mapping in there, we were about to get on the interstate, but the interstate was backed up and I would have been stuck for 15 more minutes. So it routed us around to a different route and it only took me five minutes to get the emergency room and get the blood stopped. So um, I realized in my own experience and what we built that having that simplicity of access when you're in your tiny brain is you can only think of, I have to get here, I have to get here, I need this. And if you put button push and logic and all of these things, answering all these questions, you realize you're gonna miss that very important experience for that consumer when they need the type of care that they need. So simplifying to the lowest possible level, even with all of the complexity that exists around it, is critically important when we're building applications. And, and that's what my focus was with Care Valet, but it was a really important reminder as we look at all applications and all things that are being built. The ones that are really succeeding at the highest level are the ones that are building to the lightest and easiest touch of consumer experience as it's needed. So that's, that's what happened. And that, that has been my experience over 2019 and really focusing on, on building that. So that's a very powerful story about actually experiencing the main reason you've built this out. So tell me a little bit about, as you think back about the last year and even beyond, 
what resources have really helped you on that journey? Uh, who are the individuals that have made an impact to help you be successful in what you've done? I mean, obviously bootstrapping a startup from $3,500 and growing it to a massive company with a sale out is no easy feat. Um, and the community around you, it tends to be a big part of that. Who in that community has had the biggest impact in, in helping you be successful in that? And then what resources did you lean on to take this journey forward? Yeah. I, um, and I want to go back a little bit further. You know, this last year has been amazing. Um, uh, just to briefly touch on that, and then I'll step back uh, a little bit, was um, after I sold the company, we decided that um, while I was writing my dissertation, which was on my application, and while my best friend moved from San Francisco from a startup and took over as president of my company here in Tampa while I was in Germany to finish my dissertation, it was amazing. I mean, the people that, that jumped in. So my best friend, Aaron Kessinger, is the president of Care Ballet. And when I shared with him what I wanted to do with my family and take my partner and my son to Germany, teach my son a different language and a different culture and for our family to go in and really have this immersive experience, plus give me the time to get away from all of the knowns and all of the friends and all of the distracting opportunities that exist here to go to another country, see some things, but then go back and sit in a room and write as I needed to, um, was a great opportunity. But my best friend st st uh, you know, stepped up left a startup in, in San Francisco and came and ran my company for me and actually did a significant and amazing job. That was really cool. It gave my family the opportunity to have this experience and uh, jump into, you know, learning a different language and culture, but it was great. And when, when I go back a little further, when, when I was first starting up the other company that I sold, um, and even as I'm experiencing now in this startup company, is I found that as an entrepreneur, when we share our experience and our intent of what we're doing. And we're coming from a, not a pitch place, but a really true place in our heart of what our, uh, what our goal is, what, what it is we're trying to solve. It's amazing the people that wanna be included and, and wanna step in with no expectation of getting something back. Um, back in 2004, when I first started my, my other company, uh, I shared with a friend of mine, and my, my dog's happy that I'm on there. <laughs> uh, um, when I first uh, um, shared my experience with a friend of mine that owned a restaurant, he said, um, he said, well, how are you making a living? And I said, well, I'm really not. I have $3,500. I started this company with it. I had enough to pay rent. I had enough to buy a phone system. And I had a runway of about two months before I was going to be out of money. And, um, and he said, listen, he goes, I know you're going to succeed because I know you're passionate about what you're doing. And years ago when my family immigrated from China, we opened up this restaurant with nothing and people stepped up. They helped us with our, our rent and gave us discounts there. The food brokers helped us, you know, obtain food when we didn't have money to pay for it on credit. Uh, and he goes, and this is what I want to do for you. He goes, you're going to come in here every day, once, twice a day as you need to, and you're going to eat here. I don't want you spending money on food anywhere else. And, um, and I'm going to be here for you. And the only thing I'm going to ask for you is when you're successful, and I know it will be soon, um, he goes, I want you to bring your employees and your customers here and share our restaurant experience with them. And that was, that was all he asked for me. And, and I couldn't believe it. And, and you know what? I had no place else to go eat. So I did. I, I ate there. And uh, um, his name was Victor Leone, and he owned Ho-Ho's Chinese Restaurant, which was in Hyde Park, and it was Ho-Ho's Windows later. And uh, just, 
an amazing person to step up. And another friend of mine was um, Robert Morgan. And my buddy Robert, uh, he was a pastor and he was also a, a flight attendant for Southwest. And he had recently gone through a divorce back in 2004. And he had told me that, look, you know, I, I, my wife was typically on my companion fare um, for flight attendants and I can give that to anyone I want. He goes, would it help you to use this fare and you can fly standby anywhere that Southwest goes, um, uh, you know, and see potential customers. And I, I couldn't believe that he said that to me. I was like, I was like, are you kidding? I was like, fly anywhere. And of course, all the businesses that I was attempting to do business with were outside of the Tampa Bay area and um, some inside, but mainly outside the large ones. And I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. So um, I had friends that were in the pharmaceutical industry. So what I did was I'd find out the cities that there were potential clients for me and I'd find out my friends that were in the pharmaceutical industry and say, hey, would you mind if I crashed in your hotel room when you're staying at this place so I don't have to pay for hotels? And I literally got on the flights and I went there. <clears throat> um, it, it, it was such an interesting experience. And literally within three months, I was in the black. I, I succeeded. I was signing contracts left and right. And, um, and I was able to pay back those friendships and relationships with my success because that's all they really wanted for me. And we built a stronger relationships, relationship and partnership. In, in building Care Valet more recently over the last couple of years, having, having Aaron step up, having Linda Olson at The Wave be a, an amazing person who's been, uh, we ironically went to college together and uh, worked in a gym together back, back in uh, Florida State back in the 90s, or God, late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, um, and it was really neat to reconnect with people. And it's funny what happens when, when you go out and you share your experience. So being a part of Accelerator that, you know, uh, it gave us a lot of resources like the GAN network, um, you know, and, and getting discounts on things, you know, uh, Amazon Web Services, and Salesforce, and all of these things that you normally have to pay out of pocket for was really neat. So my message is just start sharing your experiences and your passion with the people that you know. If you're out for venture money, you know, share your experiences and your passion with them and, and let them know you'll be a very good steward for their money. You know, I've often seen people take money and then go out and buy new things. And you don't want to be that guy. You know, you want to be the guy that uses that money very responsibly and grows it and makes a success. I believe you can make anything a success. You'll have failures here and there, but you can make it a success as long as you're willing to pivot. You don't get your ego too caught up into it and know that your idea isn't the only way to do this thing is, you know, I've been slapped in the face a dozen times or more <laughs> over that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a big part of the entrepreneur journey. When you're trying to create something new in the world, it's not something that is by any means a simple process. Uh, I love that you highlighted some of the things that you see a lot of people making uh, faults on, right? They're, where they get tripped up. Can you Talk a little bit about, I think you touched on, the skill of connecting people. Is there any other unique skills that you think you bring to the table? Because it's not very common to find people who are actively networking and engaging and asking people for help. That's a rather rare trait. Yeah. So, you know, in the startup world, anytime, we, we really don't have financial resources at a lot of levels. And I was really, really fortunate when... I started sharing my story. I would share it with people that I had positions open with. And um, 
and you begin to see if, if you're passionate about something, they carry that passion. And there was a beautiful woman, uh, and is a beautiful woman named Maureen Beacott, who, um, uh, who interviewed to come and negotiate healthcare claims with me when I first started in 2004. To this day, she's still an employee with me. Um, but I promised her when I first met her that I could pay her $10 an hour. I didn't have any money coming in, so I was like, I know that we can make this happen in a short period of time. I just, I need you to trust me. And, and she went home and talked to her family about it, and they said, run away from this crazy man as fast as you can. And she said, and she tells me this, she goes, there was something I believed in you that, that was more innate than any other place that I had ever worked. And, and I knew that when you told me that you could make the success, that, that you would give everything you had. And she goes, and I couldn't walk away from that. I had never been a part of that. And I, I always wanted to be a part of that. And she came to work for me. And fortunately, I was able to make that paycheck. But if I hadn't been able to make those initial paychecks, then she would have still been there with me, you know, helping me fight, you know, the good fight to get to that next level. And, and she always did. Um, I, and, and this is a little passion story um, about her. When we first started becoming successful, I moved her up from making $10 an hour to paying her $35,000 a year. Um, she, and she managed the finances for my company. Um, after several years, we were been very financially successful. I told her that we needed to move her up to $65,000 a year. And this is, you know, back more than a decade ago. And, um, and you know, and, and I thought I had an acknowledgement. Now, she managed all the payroll and everything. A few years after I told her that, she... Um, uh, she called me up one day and said, called from the other office, said, can I come over and talk to you for a minute? And she said, you know, would it be possible if I could have a little bit of a raise? And I, I said, well, didn't I just give you a raise, you know, not too long ago? And I, um, she said, well, no. And I said, what are you making? And she said, I make 35000 a year. And I started crying. I, would, I was heartbroken. I'm like, Maureen, I thought I said to raise you up to 65,000. And she goes, well, you told me that, but I didn't think we really had enough money at that time. And I didn't want to do it. And I wasn't going to take a liberty. And I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. I, I said, no, no. I said, we have, we have to fix this. I said, no, number one, change that immediately. You're going to make 65,000 right now. And then I went to the bank directly myself because I trusted this woman so much in the 15 years, she's been with me for the 15 years in the last company, um, that she was the signer for all my checks. I did not sign my checks. She signed the checks because she would not let a penny go. I monitored everything very carefully, but you know she would never let a penny go out or in without knowing exactly where it belonged and exactly where it went. Um, I went to the bank that afternoon and I calculated out how much I should have paid her over those last several years. And I had the bank stroke me a check from the account for that amount and I gave that to her. And I said, this is what you should have been making all along and this is what you deserve now and this is yours. And, uh, and we built such a strong relationship and stretched such a strong company because of the passion that we shared and that all of our employees did. I, I can't think of anybody that worked for me that didn't have the passion to give their all to our customers and to share the culture and vision that we had. So much so that in 2011, we were small, um, a small business of the year with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce or the, the uh, Tampa Chamber of Commerce. 
And, um, and that was a really exciting and, and uh, award that really honored the efforts of my employees, not necessarily just, you know, it, it didn't reflect on me, it reflected on the belief system that we carried together. And that's really critical. If, if you don't have your belief system, if you don't know what your culture is going to be when you're getting started, then you need to pause for a minute and really think about that because your culture is going to take you to that next level. Yeah, no, that is an incredible insight. And I completely agree that that has probably been a big part of your success is being able to inspire that passion in those around you. I think what I'm a little curious about is has that had a bit of a repercussion in the community, right? You build this entire culture in a company about giving back and being 100% passionate about what you're working on. Have you seen some of those individuals take that beyond just the workplace? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. Some, uh, some of the employees that at some point either I let go or they moved on on their own, um, it, what's really neat is, Anyone that worked for me that I let go was not a bad employee. They had a great vision and it was a little bit different than mine and they needed to go out and explore what that was. And, and I had two nurses that worked for me and it was really difficult um, when I let them go, but they went on to do some amazing things in other companies and, and their vision was a little bit different. It wasn't wrong. It was just different. And they were able to go out and have that experience and they're brilliant, brilliant people. You know, I, I go back and I, I, I look at where they are and, and where they were and where they are. And, um, and they have so much to be proud of. And I, I'm so proud that, that and honored that they even gave me the time that they did working in my company. So, you know, it, we get a lot very caught up in, in some of the people that have, have worked for us or that leave us. And it, it's frustrating time because we feel sometimes people are irreplaceable and the engine is moving just fine. And, and I have all this weight off of me because it's moving just fine. And now they're going to leave me and disrupt my life. We, we have to get beyond that thought because, you know, people excel and they learn and they have an experience that's greater than sometimes your vision to share. And, um, and it's important to nurture that and move that on. And, um, and I even know, like, you know, with my best friend, Aaron Kessinger, that's working for me, is this is his first opportunity to be president of a company, but every role he has ever had in healthcare, and he's worked, you know, for major health carriers in the past, he has accelerated and exceeded every expectation in all of the roles that he's ever had. And I know giving him this role, and we think president of a company, that's a pretty big role, is in his capacity, it's still here because his capabilities are way beyond mine. And I, I'm excited to see where that will lead. And I know that I'm gonna get the call one day that it, it's time for me to go, it's time for me to have that next experience. And, and, and I'll be sad and upset because I'll have to work harder to fill those shoes <laughs> at that point. But, um, but it, it, it'll be the, one of the most beautiful days to see when that happens. You know, and that'll be, that'll be exciting to see. So, yeah. Absolutely incredible. It's, I really appreciate the, you taking some time and, and going into the, the story behind the story. I, I, I guess the thing that I'm a little curious about is after all these experiences, all this, this, uh, these communities that you've built around what you're trying to change in the world, what would you have wanted to know when you started out that you, don't, that you know now but didn't know back then? 
you've, it's an incredible story, the, the amount of, uh, oh, that you've overcome and achieved and what you've been trying to uh, create in the world is, is mind boggling. I'm having a little time wrapping my head around it. I don't think I've seen this much of the story I've known about what you were trying to achieve and what you've brought to, to a lot of the community in Tampa, but it's, it's powerful. I, I truly appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, going back to that beginning, what what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you started? You know, I, I always say, God, I I wish I knew everything that I know now <laughs> back in my college days, but I realized I would be in a whole lot of trouble and probably in jail. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> I I I wish I had taken the time because you know I have what I have with that a lot of entrepreneurs have is the mind storm. There's, there's so much going on and we're managing so many things at one time and we're so excited and we're engaging and we hear this and, and it's the shiny thing and we got that, that. I wish I'd taken a little more time to slow down and absorb some of the things that I was being taught or that people were sharing with me um, because I don't feel that I really lent the time and respect to some of the people that were trying to share an important experience with me. Um, many times we feel that we have the answers um, and, and we really don't because it's not necessarily the answer, it's the perspective. And different people have different perspectives around the way they've learned something. And that perspective is a really important thing to absorb because it provides a different view on how they got there or how they got there as opposed to the way you got there. And those perspectives are beautiful and they're, they're art for people because it's our, it's our own art, the way that we define things. And, and sometimes it's narrow for some people and we can pick that out pretty quickly. And sometimes it's very expanded and it, it's amazing. And, and I wish I had just taken the time to learn people's art, I'll call it, and, and the way that they view the world. Um, because some people we would call crazy if you give them the time to learn the way that they're thinking about something, we'll find that, God, they have a beautiful vision and a beautiful perspective. Um, and I'll give this, I, I love, always love to go back to Aaron. It's, um, I'm not a patient driver in traffic. And I, and so I'm, I'll honk my horn or, you know, yell at people sometimes. <laughs> and, and he tells me all the time, he goes, he has a beautiful mom that we call Miss Dorothy. And uh, Miss Dorothy is, you know, she is not a great driver and she's older and she needs a little bit of time to think. And she's, you know, she's, she's had some health things that prevented her from thinking very quickly and responding very quickly. So she'll drive a little slower to be sure she's getting the right street or making the turn or, or doing something right while she's driving. And he goes, every time you see someone that's annoying you on the road or that is going slow or blocking you, he goes, I want you to think of Miss Dorothy. I want you to pretend that that's my mom in the car outside of there. And I want you to protect her because if you're going to start honking your horn, she's going to panic and she's going to try to make that turn in front of a car and she's not going to make it. And I want you to remember that the person behind you may be having that experience that you're having when you're angry and you need to protect her from being hurt or injured or pressured to make a wrong decision. So you have a greater responsibility in your vehicle. And I'm like, so every time, and, and the exact thing happened today at the gym, I'm trying to get a parking space at the gym. This little old lady is in front of me 
going into her swim class, you know, but she's in her car and she's trying to maneuver into this parking space and a line of five cars is behind me and they're all honking. And this one woman that was behind me pulled out of line and tried to swing around me. And I opened my car door and I put my hand out and I'm like, stop and made her wait. And then finally the lady got in the space and I went in and parked and the woman came up to me and she goes, I'm sorry, I, was, I didn't realize you were, I thought you were just blocking traffic. And I said, you know, I, I'm gonna tell you what my friend tells me. I said, there was a little woman there that was trying to park and, and an older woman. And I said, if I had pressured her, she would have hit the, the beam on the wall. She was trying to get in the space. And I said, I couldn't let you come around because of this. She, and she said, I, after I pulled around you, I saw her and I realized what you were doing. And she goes, I'm so sorry. But the guy behind me was honking and she succumbed to his pressure. And, you know, and I was not going to succumb to hers or let her, you know, be, be the aggressor. And, uh, and she thanked me. She thanked me for that afterwards. And, and, um, and I didn't have to be angry at her for trying to come around because, you know, it's always important to diffuse these situations when they occur. So we have to be stewards of our community and kind of look, you know, look out for one another that way. But it's important, right? We, we are a brother's keeper and keep being mindful of that. I think it gets a little lost in the communities that we have today, right? It's all online. It's all on demand but we are here in person and those relationships aren't created with the depth that they used to through that face-to-face -face engagement and conversation and sharing food together. So Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to add one thing is um, being an entrepreneur is, you know, and I talked a little bit, I didn't, I didn't get here myself. I got here because of people like Maureen and Aaron and, and the 63 employees that trusted me to give them a paycheck to, you know, uh, to be a good representative of them to our customers. And, and for me to have the expectation for, to be good representatives to our customers and back. And I have hired more intelligent people than I could even imagine. People that knew so many things beyond me. But what I realized early on, and I was very fortunate to have this recognition, was that I needed to hire people who were smarter than me in the areas that they wanted to work in. And looking at, at, at those people, who are the people that love to do the finance? Who are the people that love to do the marketing? Who are the people that love the operations? And that's their thing. They really just embrace that and, and, and find a, pl a place to blossom there and to give them that freedom within guidelines to express their art, express their talent, you know, is, is the way that your business grows the fastest and to have some trust there. Share your vision, but give some, some wiggle room and, uh, uh, and you'll find that you'll grow a lot faster than you expected. So... So, how, how do you find those individuals and then how do you make that assessment? Is it something they tell you or is it a, something you've learned over time? Where is that coming from? I, I definitely can appreciate it. I, I completely agree with the mindset of putting someone in uh, soil that's fertile will help them grow in, into the person they're supposed to be. But it's difficult to understand other people especially in today's time, before you make that decision to hire them, right? How, yeah. how long is that process to get to know someone so you can make the best choice for where they belong in your organization? So anyone that comes to work for you is, is a new relationship. So we're not pieces of paper. We're not, we're not a resume. Um, <clears throat> share, 
share with your community what you're trying to hire for. And then when you find someone that has that talent and skill, now then, then share your passion. And if they engage in your passion, then you know you're on a pretty good path. Because you can have a marginal person that's fully engaged in your passion and they can grow massively in that role. Early on, you know, I, I thought I had to do everything myself. I, I did not always ask the number of questions I should ask. I did not believe there were greater experts than me sometimes out there. <laughs> and I learned very humbly along the way. I was forced to, to you know, uh, to eat that you know, crow and, and learn that, you know, there's really brilliant people in each thing, each area that you can trust. Um, so engage in your startup communities and share the role that you're trying to, hey, I'm trying to fill this role. Who do you think is the best of the best out there? Can you help me find these people? And, and you'll find, I, I just, Jared Rodriguez, who's a uh, mentor at The Wave, um, I needed a new CTO uh, for my company. And not that the old CTO was bad, we had just grown beyond his capability to, to create something that could expand rapidly. And, um, and when I talked to Jared, he assessed our current situation with us. And then he identified several people that he thought would fit best within our role and then left it up to us to interview. And then what we did was it gave us the ability to then share our passion, share our vision with what we wanted to do and grow. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, and one of them stepped forward and said, wow, you know, I could go work here or there, but I love your passion. I love your, I love what you're trying to achieve. I love that you're trying to solve healthcare from a consumer perspective. This is, there's a huge gap there. And, um, and he, he bought in and he came in and he has created some magic to the point where he rebuilt our entire platform in a series of months that took us years and millions of dollars to build initially. And that's what happens when you get the right people that are engaged in your culture. And, uh, and, and it's a really, and, and you give them the leeway and the freedom. I mean, I've, I've given in to some opinions of things that I had really hard core expectations about, but, but it's beautiful when you get that perspective. And then sometimes you have to teach and give guidelines, you know, cause it, you know, I'm very experienced in healthcare arena and, and where some of the things are, but I also have to be challenged because I can get caught in some of the norms, the business norms that exist there when really I need to be thinking around those things. And that's what happens when you bring someone who's that brilliant in, in the role that they have. And Brett Lee is, is our CTO. He's an amazing, amazing forward thinker and a very knowledgeable and talented, you know, uh, CTO. So it's, it's really exciting to have these people come into play and, and to work together, to see Aaron and Brett, you know, play things back and forth with each other and, and work with our clients to figure out, hey, what's that next new thing? And, or, or how do we solve this challenge that we're experiencing? We saw that, you know, X number of people signed up for the app, but these five people had a challenge with that. This is what they said about that, or this is why they dropped the experience because it was challenging. And then we're like, well, what was, oh, let me go back in. I'm going to code it. I'm going to fix that now. So they don't even have to have to go through that piece at all. It, it was, it was, it's, it's beautiful to see that sort of a, you know, mindset occur and that talent come together and create a solution like that. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And it definitely resonates with what you're trying to achieve and have accomplished so far. I think something I want to touch on is growing that community around you and knowing what point, that your passion can be supported by the community you've created. Um, 
I, I feel like you had a lot of those resources in the community that you had been developing for a little while that when you made that jump, there were people there to catch you. Can you talk a little bit about how you did that, how you grew those relationships and, and focused on, or when you felt comfortable enough to take, to lean on them to grow what you were trying to do? It's, it's, it's difficult to ask people for help. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, but don't create a wall and don't create an image of yourself that you think that you have to do. You know, as we, as we go and we look at social media and Instagram pages, we, and influencers, we have an idea of the vision that we want to create that we think will be most adoptable by people. Get your head out of that space. It, 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 social media is important. You want to communicate what you're doing, but your authenticity is really what allows you to grow in those relationships. Share your vision and your authenticity, and you're going to get truth back to you. And, and that's what you're really asking for. You're not asking for acknowledgement. You're not asking for agreement. You're asking for trust and truth to come back to you. And that it's, it's critical because you'll hear what people are telling you. And, and, and it's important to gauge that trust and that truth coming back to you because those people are giving you their experience. And sometimes it may not be the vision that you have. It may just be the experience of the current norm. But you begin to hear and learn that because sometimes in those people, if they're being authentic back with you, um, when you're being authentic to them, they'll generally start getting authentic back with you and tell you what their limitations and knowledge are. And that's where you want to be with somebody when you're really trying to set a mindset with them. And, uh, and you begin to learn from each other at that point. And, and once those initial walls get broken down, then you can begin to gauge, you know, um, uh, is this a relationship that I need to pursue? So there's some amazing mentor networks out there. So I'd look to the wave and, you know, uh, I, and, and I'm on the board of the wave, so I'm a little biased. You know, I know there's other groups, Embark Collective and Dream It, that have amazing people around it. But, but one of the largest mentor networks is at the wave. And when we go in there and if you leverage that, because you have to ask for the help, to leverage it and it's hard to do, um, you know, get these people around you and share your experience. And don't just go with one mentor. You, you need to, we all, all mentors have different experiences. So go to several people and start talking to them. And then talk to your peers too, because sometimes they can share with you some of the good experiences and bad experiences they had. Um, what I've found over the years in doing this is uh, it, with my peers, some of the bad experiences they had with some mentors or, or venture firms um, were bad from their perspective and not necessarily bad because the intent to be not a good supportive mentor or venture firm was there. And, um, but begin to ask what resources do I need to have to evaluate that and to better communicate my story. So there's a lot of buckets that I just kind of touched on in there, but but ultimately, it just comes down to building that trust initially and asking um, for the need for help. Because even like, uh, if you, you can sit with a venture capitalist and tell them, say, I'm not that experienced in the venture capital world. I'm not even sure how to fully approach this. And I, I, I need to trust somebody and to hear from them. And if that person doesn't jump, you know, it, it jumps right in and says, well, you need to take my money and here's my terms, you know, you I would be a little guarded with that. But if they say, hey, I want you to go out and, and um, you know, and read this book. 
I want you to uh, talk to this attorney, um, take some free time with them and, and understand a little bit about, you know, what types of terms are available to you. Um, you know, these are the things and the steps that you want to do. And I think there's a, there's a great book called uh, Venture Deals that's out there. And I love it because it's regularly updated by the, the attorneys that wrote this thing. And they are venture capitalists. And they literally share, they pull the curtains back and they let you see Oz sitting back there, you know, in all his glory. And, uh, and, and they say, this is what happens. And you need to be, especially if you're looking at taking money in a firm, you need to be better than the attorneys that are going to write the paper. Because you're the only one that can make the value, understand the value of, of what it means to bring that relationship together. Um, one other piece that I'd love to add, especially to anyone looking to take money, and I never have, so I, I have to be very clear that I never have, but it, when, if you're going to take money, literally consider that, and I talked earlier about this in, in the, the podcast, is look at this as this is not your money. This is something you need to protect, like you're protecting Miss Dorothy driving the car in front of you. You know, th this is something that you want to use responsibly, that you want to use to grow your company, that you want to share the story with way down the road about, it. gosh, how this person in the seed fund came in and they gave me, you know, these dollars. And, and I really wanted them to be a part of it because they trusted me with that. I, the stewardship of those dollars were very important to me. And I look at that in the same way as the employees that first came to work for me. I promised them a paycheck. And to me, that was my seed fund. You know, they gave me their time believing that I would pay them, but knowing that I may not be able to. And I went home one day. I, there were nights I couldn't sleep. There were nights I cried because I didn't have a check that came in and I wasn't sure if I was going to make payroll and how was I going to do it. And I went out and extended my credit card to the absolute furthest limits to be sure that, that, that those checks could be paid, you know, those paychecks could be, you know, paid. And, um, and, and that's what we do. And even after I was in the black, I wasn't this far in the black, you know, I was this far in the black. So every time it exhausted the funds every month, every month, every month for those first several years. And, and I literally had to play a really tight game of, of, you know, doing the business and making the collections, doing the business, making the collections, making the paychecks, making the, you know, all of these things and payroll is your most expensive thing. And those people that come to work for you, they, they need to live. They have families they're taking care of. And, and we're the stewards of, of that responsibility. We, we have people that have given us their lives. And that's the way I looked at it. Those were my seed funders. And, and I had the duty and responsibility to ensure that they were never in financial pain. So beyond just ensuring they had the money, I did a lot of things in building our culture. And we looked at our people holistically. Um, and we did... Uh, um, you know, almost a Maslow's hierarchy of needs of how do you care for yourself? You know, your physical health, how do you look at emotions and meaning? How do you look at relationships? How do you look at your finances? How do you look at, at gratitude and contribution and giving back? And every um, quarter when I did our state of the company, I reviewed these things with them and I asked them to measure themselves on those areas because those are the things that make us whole people. And we want good balance. And how do we care for ourselves? Number one, if we're not caring for ourselves, it makes it more difficult for us to care for our loved ones and other people. How do we manage our emotions and meaning? How do we hear something and decide to respond to it? If someone calls you and, and says, hey, you know, 
you didn't pay my healthcare claim and da 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 and you say, well, maybe you should have sent your claim in on time, you know, and that builds the animosity. But if you heard that and you say you didn't pay my, tell me what happened because I honestly want to look in and I want to see what went on. And then you see that it was it was paid on time, but they got a balance bill from the doctor and it was already paid, but they owed their copay, you know, and you have to then share that with them and say, hey, it, the insurance paid, you know, what it should have been, but that's a co-payment for you. And you realize that always when you're looking at relate at, at emotions and meaning and those needs is sometimes people are upset and angry because they're out of balance somewhere. Maybe they had a really tough day with their spouse that day. And this was something they had to take care of. And, it, and instead of having to deal with talking to their spouse, they're like, I'm going to just deal with this claim because I got to get this out of the way. And and whoever's on that end of the phone is going to get the front of it. So right. you have to, I like to say we have to be shock absorbers in, in, our, in our lives. We have to be like a putty, you know, when something hits it, we just pull it in. And then we decide how we respond to it. And we always want to respond with a level of kindness that, that brings people to a different sense so that we can then find out what, what really is underneath what they're sharing with us and why they may be upset and diffuse those situations. Oh. Yeah, that is incredibly insightful. I uh, I feel like that level of a relationship with your consumer is difficult to understand and put our mind around because even though we're all consumers, we're in a different mindset when we're selling to somebody else. We're we're working a case with them, and being very mindful of that. I think the fact that it's another human on the other end of that phone can have a huge impact and has had a huge impact on what you've been able to achieve. I really thank you taking some time with me, Joe. Is there a, a way for people to get a hold of you that you prefer? Are you on the social media? Are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Sure. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm Dr. Joe 44 on Instagram. I'm uh, um, on LinkedIn and it's Joe Hodges and Care Valet, uh, which I'm the chief disruption officer of, which I prefer as opposed to CEO. Because anybody can, you know, CEO is such a formal title and I don't feel like the suit and tie kind of guy with that. I, you know, my goal is to disrupt some things in healthcare. So that's, a, that's, that's my goal there. Um, so th those are the best outlets uh, for me if you want to reach out. And, um, uh, so I, and, and learn, I love to hear it. I love to mentor, you know, uh, startup folks and really help get them on the right path. Um, I love to have deep, meaningful conversations about the future and opportunities in healthcare and how we tackle these things because it, it's it, it's a solvable problem. It's you know the current state of healthcare is unnecessary and and we have the ability to solve it today. The solutions are out there. We just have to get more people engaged and get them out of the traditional ideas of healthcare to get them down the right path. It's incredible. I'll, I'll definitely post all the links for uh, ways to get a hold of you in our uh, the write up for the po podcast. Uh, I'm really excited that you're the first person that we've been able to bring <laughs> on to this show. And, and I'm honored. I'm, I'm more than honored. Believe me. Yes. <laughs> and I hope to come back and do a follow up with you one day. I, I, there's so many more things we could share together. That I, I love it. I'm excited. I have that I've invested in. So. <laughs>